Hello, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And our movie this week is Spotlight, a depressing film about pedophile priests. Well, there's a that's a way to set the tone for the podcast. It's actually a great film. I thought it's a fantastic film. I mean, I this is one of those films that somehow I can watch an infinite number yes, of times. Same. Uh, it doesn't really get any less exciting for some reason. Like for for me, it's like a, one of those really tense movies. That uh, I mean, I think the typical term for these is pot boiler, right? Mm-hmm. It sort of s- starts with a little bit of like. I mean, the opening scene right away is kind of like eerie. It's like ominous. Yeah, the they music. The music really helps give you that feel. Yeah, too. they don't come out right out and say what's happening, right? There's just like these indications. Okay, there's some kids at a police department, and there's you know a priest, the, the, a priest, and then another priest, and it's like, uh, and the the sort of way the two the 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 novice policeman and the older police uh, the senior policeman mm-hmm. interact you get this sense that something very wrong is is going on with the police as well but that one you know uh, i shouldn't say going on with the police like the police did their job but that they, they know the district they, attorney yeah, it's, won't it's not like so the prosecutors m- won't do it exactly. and the, the older policeman's like there's not going to be an arraignment and the the young guys like what you know exactly yeah and so you get it it's it does a great job right off the bat i mean i think this is true of the movie overall the screenwriting is fantastic it's so perfect it's like it does this really good job of like unsettling you about all the right things uh every little piece they put in there to to disturb you works brilliantly but it's never it never feels heavy-handed even when they're having victims tell their stories it always feels like so perfectly like believable and gripping. Yeah. Um that like I really don't think you tell the story better. No. I also think they do a really fantastic job of setting things up so you understand what's going on because obviously we're dealing with like the the inner workings of a newspaper publisher. Yeah. You know, if you're just coming in you without any knowledge about this industry, like you don't know how any of this works, right? right? Yeah. And they do a great job of like establishing all that for you so you understand um in a way that doesn't feel like forced. It's just natural. Um like I think the scene that where they have like a new they have the um Leah Shriver character, the new editor come in. Yes. And it's like having that is such a great opportunity to like reestablish all the rules sort of of the newsroom yes. and the hierarchy and the way that things work because you have this new guy. So it's like you're naturally going to be feeling that stuff out, right? The people in that situation are going to be feeling that stuff out. And it's so it's this really natural way for the audience to also be feeling it out. Um, and it just works so, so well, so effortlessly. It, it's yeah. I mean, it it feels effortless, which means uh, probably a lot of effort yeah. went into it, right? Uh, and they they do get a lot of work out of Marty Baron, who's Leah Schreiber's character. Uh, they basically go like, okay, this person is an outsider. He's Jewish, mm-hmm. so he doesn't know like what he's walking into with the whole because Boston is very Catholic, um, and uh, he and he doesn't know this newsroom either. Which is all those things are very plausible. Now, maybe he kind of did know those things for all we know. Like, I don't know how accurate this is, but they do a great job with the screenplay going like, OK, let's make it so that we see him finding these things out, finding out how connected and sort of disturbing the Catholic Church's reach is in and their expect the expectations of various players in that town about how the Catholic Church is treated and that sort of thing and how much deference they're given 
we don't know that as viewers. Right. So showing that was important. And they do it a number of ways, which is great, too. Like, they have Leo Shriver's character experience that, which is great, because that's how we're experiencing it, yeah. too, for the but, first time. But they also, then they also show it in all of the other characters Exactly. As well. They show yeah. everyone else's relationship with the religion yes. and, and explore that. There's some really great moments throughout that have to do with that. Um, I don't remember the, any of the characters' names, unfortunately. I could just say the actors, but like, you know, Mark Ruffalo has this great... Resendez. Yeah. yeah. He has this great moment where he comes to the woman's house. I can't remember her name. Rachel McAdams, I think, is the actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is basically like having this, a little bit of like a crisis of faith, basically, where he's like, you know... He had always he had he had grown up Catholic. He had sort of lapsed, but he always had in the back of his head like I thought I might go back someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the loss of that that little bit of your identity, which is actually interesting because I feel like this movie gave made me have a f- similar experience actually, as somebody who grew up Catholic. Yeah, we should say we were we were both we were Catholic. Both we were both Catholic, raised Catholic. Yeah, going to church, you know, every Sunday. Yeah, like I was confirmed Catholic, and like you know. Very much like Mark Ruffalo's character, I'd like didn't I stopped going right like because as soon as I became an adult and my parents right. didn't have to force me to go, like I stopped and I just didn't care. But like I never, I was more indifferent. And this movie actually made me like strong dislike. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. I'm that's a, that's a path I'm never going back. Right. Which I think also I think is in some ways a testament to how well the movie does its job too, because like I said. I didn't feel like there was any heavy-handed preaching in this movie no. at all. And they went out of their way to portray Catholics in in a totally neutral light. They did they did not suggest that there's something wrong with Catholics ever, which, you know, a more, you know, the Disney version of this movie where it's heavy politics and no one's put any thought into it would just would just slander Catholics. This movie never did that. They basically showed Catholics in a positive light. They showed good Catholics. And they basically said, like, this particular Catholic system did very horrible things. Yeah, it, it right? up- they showed where the horror really was, and they didn't broaden it, but they didn't contract it either. They didn't let anyone off the hook. And I think that was just a really, really great uh, way to tell the story that feels very fair, but gets the point across 100%, yeah, nonetheless. It, it never ends up villainizing the the people who get caught up in this, like the the individual Catholics who go along with it, right? I mean, yeah. it's basically, I think it's a warning for any group of people, right? Yes. It's not, yes, it's about in this specific instance, Catholicism and that organization and that structure, but like it's really a cautionary tale about any sort of system where there's a lot of people. And you see all of the people thinking that, you know, they're doing the right thing exactly. by covering this up. You know, it's just, well, we don't want we don't want the good things the church does to be, you know, harmed by and this. And, and, and you're I'm like, sure there's also a certain, actually, yeah, that's not really how it works in the end. Like yeah. cover ups come out eventually and they do so much more damage when you are shown to not have addressed the problem when you knew. So it's like. You can see you see this pattern play out in lots of things in society, and it's like they captured it really well here. And they showed they showed also uh, players like prominent uh, authority figures in various ways, uh, either come to or move away from the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, they showed the lawyer who ends up 
eventually turning and he circles the names, yeah. right? They showed a person who fi- who realizes they've done the wrong thing mm-hmm. and like redeems themselves, right? And they show other people who don't, who right up to the end are trying to push them not to do the story. Well, right? and then the, you also have characters like the Billy Crudup lawyer guy who like way back in the day tried, tried to do the to right, do thing. The right yeah. thing and realized that he was there was nothing he could do and so yeah. he just went and did his job. Yep. And I think that's really interesting, too, because it's like, yeah, one individual person can't change anything. And I think that's part of the problem, right, is like you just have these individual instances where it's like, okay, this bad thing happened. And you're just like, well, look, we'll just try to make sure it doesn't happen again. We don't need to make a big fuss about it. And you just have everybody saying that and nothing's ever going to change and no one will ever realize the scope of the problem. Obviously, some people did know the scope of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Higher ups in in the Catholic hierarchy and the lawyers and the, lawyers yep. and and the, the victim and the victims and yeah. like the, the, um, the ex priest who became, was like a, became a researcher kind of about this whole thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that was a kind of a interesting part of how they showed the role of the journalists. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in a way it, it is one of those movies that makes you kind of depressed about modern state of journalism because modern state of journalism is doing the opposite of this. But uh, at its best, what these journalists are doing, and you see it in the movie, is connecting people whose voices on their own won't do anything. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing them together into a story that together can do something. Exactly. They connected the victims group and the researcher and the the lawyer uh, Garabedian, played by Stanley Tucci, who was uh, you know trying to try these cases, and the victims, and they put them all together into sort of a sustained six hundred article narrative that ran over a year, right? Um, and that's what it takes to get people to understand what was going on. One report of a priest doing something here and there isn't going to do it, and one person saying there's a problem isn't going to do it. Because, again, it's an entrenched institution, and there's a lot of entrenched institutions. So when you're talking about them, little things are not going to do it. You need all of these people to, so that the public imagination gets the idea of the scope of how mm-hmm. bad it is, and then they can do something about it, right? Well, you even see them wrestling with this throughout the movie, where they'll uncover things that they really want the public to know about right away, but... Um, yeah. But it's like, no, you need to hold off on this because that little thing isn't enough, right? You need the whole story. I mean, I think one of the best moments is toward the very, very end when Michael Keaton's character realizes that he's the one who buried... Who didn't, who didn't look into it. Yeah. yeah he didn't like, look into the story when he got he, it. Like, I, I, it's, such a, it's such an interesting moment because it just goes to show sometimes these things that should mean a lot to us just don't. You know, we just... And I mean, I think it's like... You can't one individual can't see the scale of a problem with with just a small piece of information. And I think that's it's not his fault, you know, it's it. But it is like it does just go to show like you sometimes need that outsider to come in and and sort of like start pushing toward a thing. And then as soon as you start connecting some pieces, um, the picture, you can see it more clearly. Well, and I think in yeah, in a city like Boston, which is very Catholic, it's sort of like the water you swim in, right? So it's just not something that would even occur to you, probably. Yeah. That this system needs to be seriously you just take it for investigated, granted. Yeah. right? Um, and so, yeah, I think they do a great job showing all of that. Talking about the movie as a movie, 
I think a lot of things come together to make this movie feel really riveting to watch. Yeah. I think Howard Shore's score is very well conceived. It sets this very ominous, a simple little piano mm-hmm. score most of the time. Just these kind of ominous, yeah, it's echoey not, notes. It's not like, it's not an overpowering score, overly dramatic. I think the acting uh, is really good where it needs to be. Uh, they get like some of those, they have those victims who uh, talk to the reporters about what happened to them. It's silent during that time. And the actors totally carry it. Like you're just absolutely mm-hmm. like riveted when they're telling their stories. And I think the pacing, the way they structured the movie, there's a lot of things they did to make this work they always have a new, like a, a new lead, a new structure kind of emerging at each point. Yeah, they're always uncovering a little extra piece little bit. of the puzzle that makes it seem even more frightening. And that those choices and that pacing are hard to accomplish. They had to do really good screenwriting work there to make that all play out. And you see them doing re- really, they they worked hard to get the punchlines and the pacing there. For example, to set up Stanley Tucci's character, they they do a lot of things with multiple reporters in different areas doing different things to get good reinforcement. Obvious one was when they have the two victims both telling their stories at the same time. They cut Mm -hmm. between them. So you can see, and this is really important, I think, because it shows you the breadth of who was affected by this, right? It shows you a guy who's kind of seems like sort of a, a a tough guy, right? Who you would think of as a particular type of person. Mm-hmm. And then it shows another guy who's like kind of like a, an overweight gay man, right? Like you've got these very different sides of a spectrum and they're intercut so that you can see like there wasn't there. This affected a very broad range of people, mm-hmm. right? And that's a great move. Another great move was when they introduce, like I was saying, Mitch Garabedian uh, character, they have them talking to two lawyers at the same time. So you can see how two different lawyers handle this situation. Yeah. And they even have a great punchline there where one of them says, uh, what the reporter says something, and then the other guy goes, have you met Mitch Garabedian? Mm-hmm. Right. And then they cut to Resendez in his office and you're ex- you experience yes. what it's like to meet Mitch Garabedian. Yeah. They which sort is, of set right? up they set up sort of like some expectations about yes. who this guy might be. And so uh, I I just uh want people to sort of like take a second to appreciate, right, how much work they're doing to get these things. Because this is a dry subject matter. It's people walking around asking questions and not really getting very far. Mm -hmm. That's what is actually happening, right? But they manage to weave it together so that you're always hooked on the next thing that happens. You're always getting an emotional impact from seeing what does and doesn't happen when they try to like pursue the next line of the case, right? And you're getting frustrated with them or excited with them when they uncover something new. And that is just, you know, uh, it's everything coming together. It's the acting being very good. Um, you know, Mark Ruffalo, 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 I never know how to say his name. Mark Ruffalo, so Resendez, he does a great job in his reaction shots in this movie. Because this is a weird guy, you know, he mm-hmm. kind of has, he's just kind of like obsessed with his work and he's really wrapped up in it. 
And there's a lot of times when like someone says something and the only there's no response line. Mm-hmm. There's no response dialogue. But you cut back to Mark and he does like a thing with his face and you're kind of like, oh, okay, I see what this guy yeah. yep. is thinking. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and there's a lot of that in this movie. I think Michael Keaton does a great job yeah. of selling like what he's going through without a lot. There's not a lot of dialogue, mm-hmm. again, uh, for his reactions to things. You just see it in his face. He look, look down at something and look back up, you know, to let you know that yeah. like he's processing this and it's... He's not really processing it very well, yeah. you know? I really like uh, Rachel McAdams, too. I think she does a really good job. She does a lot. Like, there's some stuff that goes on with that, too, where, I, like, there's one point where she hands um, she hands some papers to uh, Michael Keaton's character. Yes. And is expecting maybe a certain reaction from him and isn't getting it and is, like, there's, like, you can see that yes. processing, what she's processing happening on her face. It's just really, really well done. She did a great job with that scene. Yeah. Uh I think they did a great job with her grandmother scene when the, yes. the newspaper finally gets run. Yep. And she's just kind of sitting there and the grandmother's reading it and she just says, can I have a glass of water? Again, like, how do you write that scene? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like that. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's perfect because you know exactly what's going on. You can see it. Rachel McAdams is showing you what's happening in yeah. her mind. The grandmother's even doing a good job showing you that she's kind of getting uneven uh, by reading it. Yeah. And it's just like, everything just works really well i also liked i don't know the actor i'm not familiar with the actor who plays the uh fourth member of spotlight there yeah the other guy i, I don't, don't know that actor. i don't recognize him either yet. but i loved the way they worked in so each of these characters has uh is either a practicing catholic or a lapsed catholic they're all basically raised catholic um and the way that they had each they basically assigned one element to how the Catholic Church was intertwined in their lives to each of them. So we saw, for example, uh, Mark Ruffalo Resendez. He goes, he he's watching a choir at one point, uh-huh. and you could see on his face he's just like terrified yes. about what might be happening to these children. You see uh, the guy whose actor name I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he realizes when he's checking the records that there is a rehab house for pedophile priests on his block. Yep. And he puts up a thing on his refrigerator to warn his kids not to go there, right? Yeah. And he talks to Michael Keaton about it. Yeah, he's he like, wants to can tell I tell neighbors. our neighbors? He's like, we'll tell them soon. Um, you have Rachel McAdams' character who obviously has that relationship with her grandmother. And you see her going to church with her grandmother. And then she can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then she actually shows her the paper at the end and, you know, kind of a Explains why she can't do it anymore, mm-hmm. even though we don't see that. It's kind of implicit. And then you see Michael Keaton's character, who is has these high-level connections because he's an editor at the Boston Globe. And he has connections back to his high school that he went to. And you see him trying to get help from these people who should help him yeah, people fix he's this known, problem. People he's known like, and his they whole won't life do it. who he, he trusts. Yeah. And just to, to watch them do this is... is yeah pretty amazing because they're just effectively functionaries of the catholic church in so much as yeah. they that is their social structure so they won't go against it and uh i just felt like again it's it's really easy to forget when you watch a movie like this how much thought had to go into figuring out how to tell all of that and you come away from this movie feeling the kind of dread that i think they probably felt when they realized just how big this octopus was, right? Like mm-hmm. how many tendrils it had um, and how, you know, wrapped around the institutions it was. 
And I think that, you know, the movie is just absolutely brilliant for that. And I, like I said, I think this is my third or fourth time watching this movie. Yeah. And it was, I didn't, I wanted to make an extra cup of tea and I didn't even want to do it. I didn't want to get up and make a tea in the <laughs> yeah, middle of the movie. Yeah, it's riveting. It's so riveting. Yeah. And it's also, because I, I mean, I think we've seen it probably the same number of times. I mean, the first time so, we yeah. saw it together the, when we in the did. theater, we when did. it first came the out. Theater, yeah. And I remember it, it hit the ending hitting like a gut punch. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, I cried. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's disturbing. Yeah, it's brutal. And the movie does such an incredible job of setting all of that up. It's just, it's so well executed. It's like... No, it's, it's, they were, like, the word pitch perfect keeps coming to mind. Yeah. Like, they it's never a missed film. a freaking note. Um, And it's so hard. Like, I can just see, because I've, you know, seen a lot of movies, right? I can imagine how you do each one of these scenes wrong. Yes. I've seen each one of these scenes screwed up. And so there's so many ways that you do it wrong. And they never did. There's not a single moment um, in this movie. And they get in all these extra things that they don't need to get in, but that help bring that together. There's all these times when, you know, a character will walk out and there's just like a school bus behind them. Right. Yep. Or something yep. like that. They like reinforce this notion of like these two things are always together and well, it's, it's like, and, very and dangerous. And right? like all there's so many scenes where there's a church in the background, yep. um, like ominously looking over this, the, yep. the what's happening. Right. It's just it's so well done and so intentional. Yeah. And I, I, and I come back to the acting. The acting is so important in this movie. It's so well done. I think it's such like a natural style of acting. They're doing this movie too. like there's a scene where like. I don't. I just remember this because it's like, it's so. It's almost like watching just normal people. Like Mark Ruffalo comes in after a run and he's talking with Michael Keaton yeah. and he like scratches his head. Yeah. And then like Michael Keaton like scratches his face or whatever and you're just like, it just makes it feel so natural. You don't see that that often in in movies. It's like this exaggerated sort of. They played it all down. They made it feel really natural. Yeah. It's just so nice to watch. I also thought, like, again, the 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 two victims who tell their, you know, the longer form stories, mm-hmm. they have a bunch of scenes with them talking to victims sort of to reinforce, like, how many victims there were. So there's a lot of, like, snippets there. But the two victims who tell their long form story, I thought, did a great job, too, because, again, the temptation to play that melodramatic, it wouldn't have worked. They do a really brilliant thing um, with... Uh, so uh, both of them, I thought they did a fantastic job. But the gay dude, when he tells the story and they they he doesn't want to say what happened to them in, in the coffee the, shop. Yeah. He's like, we should get these to go. Bro- like, again, it's just you're thinking it. They were thinking in the screenplay of how it would actually be. They're not just having them say these things. So because he doesn't even want to say it there. That already is a great clue, a subliminal clue to the people watching that he's really unsettled by what he's about to have to say, right? When they then walk down and he doesn't want to cry, you see that he gets upset with himself that he breaks Mm -hmm, down. mm -hmm. That's way more powerful than if he'd actually just had sort of this big sob fest, right? Because you see the characters struggle with the actual problem yeah, you can again, see, you right? can see in all of that in every character. Yes, you can see the way in which that what happened to them as children has affected them yes. today in his behaviors and the way he acts. Like you can tell he's tried to like work through this. You know, yes. you can tell that he's, you know, compared to some of the other like the other guy, for example, he's a lot more self aware. I think about yes about the whole thing, and so he's like yeah. worked on it, but it's still very hard for him. 
And then you get the other guy who, you know, didn't deal with it as well. You can no. see, you know, you see the scars from, the, marks, from yeah. the drugs and um, and it's just it's like you see the different ways that these people have processed it. And then later on, there's an there, um, Michael Keaton meets with another man, someone he went to school with. Um, who's done pretty well, right? He's turned out pretty, yes. quote-unquote, normal. Um, the, he does a great job with that look on his face when oh my well, God. Michael Keaton just says the name of the pastor, uh, uh, the name of the priest, sorry. Uh, pastor is a Protestant term, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, he says the name, and that guy just does such a great reaction shot. And yeah. the only thing he says is, how did you find out, right? Yep. A- it, again, it's just... It's just so brilliant. Like, this movie is so brilliant in so many ways. They get... And I think the reason for that is that melodrama makes things feel fake. Real people in public situations like that never... They don't want to cry, right? They don't want to show that something's affected them. Mm -hmm. And so by showing that struggle, we believe it. Mm -hmm. We believe that this actually happened to this person, even though this is just an actor portraying it something that happened to a different person right and that's again it's really great acting but it's also great screenwriting to understand that the most powerful thing is to show someone who doesn't want to let it affect them but it is yep right yeah i mean i think it's so interesting having watched this right after magnolia where our one of our many criticisms was that it was way too melodramatic and that it made it feel silly yeah it 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 does the it has the opposite effect of having of making you feel emotional. Exactly, and you know they're both in our ensemble cast month, meaning they mm-hmm. had a lot of famous actors and actors who are very good. It just without the script to back it up. Yeah, not to talk about that movie, but it's yeah. just an interesting comparison because um, Spotlight is so much more emotionally affecting. I like the way they close. Uh, I mean, the ending of the movie is actually pulled off brilliantly because you think, how do you, how do you end this movie? Yeah. I mean, how do you do it? Because the the ending of the movie is we're going to publish six hundred articles on this thing we did. We can't. How do we show that? Like, what is that? The idea about the call center was just brilliant because mm-hmm. they think you know they're going to get calls of people complaining about the story. They walk in, no one is calling in to complain. There's the people who they hired for overtime to, to staff the complaint lines have no calls. They walk downstairs and it's just every single line is lighting up with people calling in to talk about abuse that they knew about or that they experienced. Yep. And you just get that amazing scene. The music builds at that point mm-hmm. for the ending of the film and Michael Keaton just turns around. They frame the whole spotlight office. He just picks up the phone and says the name of the movie yep. for the ending. It's brilliant. It's so it's brilliant. It's a brilliant ending. And then they cut right to that list of a oh. billion places where the Catholic Church you know, just allowed rampant abuse to go on for decades yeah which i think i think was and it such really a, hits home it was such a good move too because they sort of the movie ends on almost a triumphant note a little bit right yeah. and i think they wanted to they wanted to have they like you they needed to remind you that this isn't a over. triumph it's not over but it's also not a triumph yeah. in a way right it's like it's a disaster <laughs> um and i i like that the the list brings you kind of back down to the right mental space where it's this... like it's a victory in a war that has had many many casualties right exactly, it's like it's like exactly. showing a, a you winning the battle of gettysburg it's like well that was great that you won it but 
There are right. so many people who have died in the past 10 years mm-hmm. to this war, right? It, it was that. It's exactly. basically like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a gut punch. It's it brutal. Is. It's really yeah. brutal. Because, I mean, chances are if you live in a major city, you saw your city on that list. I mean, I don't think there were any major cities in the United States that weren't on that list. And like, worldwide, it's, too. It, it's basically every city that, that you know. Has Catholic. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was especially, you, you can go look it up then, you know, France had, then went and did an entire gigantic report. And the estimates of how many people were abused are just astronomical. So, anyway, it's just, it's a very powerful movie, you know, especially for anybody who's raised Catholic. Uh, I mean, I think it's essential viewing. I would say, yeah. And also a good cautionary tale, as you said before, which is that like this sort of thing. I mean, we've seen these sorts of things when you look at the news more broadly of institutional or community protection for serial child abuse, because in general, it is serial. You know, if you have an abuser who can get away with it, it it is usually not going to be a one-time thing. And so this this is how it happens. You wonder how it happens. This is how it happens. Everyone, I think the line in the movie yes. is, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to abuse one. Which is an amazing, amazing line. I assume that's not something they come up with. I assume that's something that has... From, that the, is from a, the Spotlight a, article or something? Or, or that's just a turn of phrase that people have said about this pattern in possibly, the past. Yeah. And I'm not sure about that. But it it sums it up perfectly. It's like... It's it's never like a one-time thing that's like easy to miss. It's like, no, everyone kind of knows something's wrong. They just don't want to do anything about it because until you break that wall, until, until, you, until you get momentum on your side, right, the people who are willing to speak out are too fractured. And there's too many people who don't want to go down that road. And so until somebody breaks that momentum, uh, it just keeps happening. Yeah. I mean, there's a one point in the movie where they mentioned, like, there was a woman who had, like, seven children who were abused. Yes. It was in the letter. It was the letter. It was the letter. Right? She, she wrote. And, uh, and it was just, it's like, oh, my God. Like, how do you, how do you just let this go? And it just goes to show the, the power that the institution has over individuals, like, who have experienced these terrible things. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. With the movie, you end up talking more about the, because it almost feels like you're watching uh, reality or something like you talk more you come away wanting to talk about the real thing that happened and like because the movie's just so flawlessly executed it does and- it feels more like a documentary than a lot of documentaries like you come away with it, it it's the ultimate um uh, i've mentioned this before on the podcast where the aaron sorkin sorkin mm-hmm. quote of like it's a it's a portrait not a picture right mm-hmm. This is the ultimate portrait. Like, I'm sure this isn't exactly how it happened, but they managed to get all they managed to show you kind of like all the little pieces so you can now put them together in your mind and understand just how this happens. Right. Mm -hmm. They gave you a real sense of how this could really be the case. And I think that at its best is what a drama that's based on a real thing is supposed to do. It's supposed to give your brain an idea of how this could have really happened, especially in something like this where it's fairly horrifying to consider that this kind of thing can go on everywhere, right? And not have it be stopped. And uh, I think that they just did a, a fantastic job of painting those pieces with a few, just a few brushstrokes each. They painted each picture, uh, each part of the picture, and it really does come together at the end. So as you say, you feel like you're talking about the real thing. 
this is like a movie podcast and we've talked about the Catholic Church for yeah. 45 minutes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. it's like that's that's the magic of of a good movie, like yes. an effective movie. You aren't talking about the filmmaking problems and the you know, you you you're talking about what the movie's about. It has that Lawrence of Arabia yeah. quality where it's like these are probably not how these things exactly happened. But when you come away with it, you feel like you now know something about Africa and World War One and how it worked. You feel like you know something, how it really happened. And most of the time when you see these kind of things based on a historical or based on a true story, you don't, it just kind of feels fake still. It doesn't feel like you really saw something that had some truth in it, right? Yeah. And so, you know... I don't know because I don't know very much about this particular thing, although I am from Massachusetts. I don't actually know very much about it, so I don't know how historically accurate it is. But the the way that it's managed to paint a very believable picture is pretty rare. I think also there there is definitely in movies this sort of like heroic journalist thing that, that can happen. Didn't really do that. No, I mean, I yeah. think I think you definitely come away with the feeling that these these are really, really excellent journalists who are doing a very good job. But... At no point do they feel like lionized. Yeah, I mean they're all flawed, or many of them are at least are obviously flawed in some way. I mean Michael Keaton's character, you know, ignored this story in the past. You know, well that's and you have a good other point. characters yeah. in the newsroom telling him to not maybe dig into this. Right, people who are kind of trying to dissuade him. Um, Mark Ruffalo's character has a lot of issues. Uh, the guy like, from Mad Men whose name I John never Slattery. Remember. John Slattery. John Slattery's character kind of tries to kill the story a couple times, right? Yeah. And you just look at it and you say, it would have been very easy for them to portray the globe as heroic and the Catholic Church as villainous and just have it be sort of a fairly unconvincing, uh, you know... It's like too romanticized. Hyperbole. Yeah. And they never did that mm-hmm. at all, right? They were just like, no, like the, the globe sucked too. They sucked for a long time and didn't get this story yeah. when they easily could have. And, you know, putting that in there again just makes it feel so much more believable because it makes it feel like actual humans doing actual things rather than some kind of an abstracted version, even though it is an abstracted version. And that's, yeah. again... They were they were part of it, right? They were part, they were of, it. part of, of, like, allowing yep. this problem to persist. They were yep. They were complicit. Yep. Um, and until an outsider came in and pushed on it, like yep. it wasn't going to change. Yep. Not, and none of these people were going to do anything about it, right? And I loved that. Uh, this this is a small note, but I really liked the uh, sort of the characterization of Resendez, where uh, every time there was something that was suggested by Leah Schreiber that then got communicated to him, he goes like. That's fantastic. Like someone's like, they want to sue the Catholic Church or something. It's like, that's fantastic. You know, he always he always had that kind of like, oh, this is great. I love this because you could tell he and, you know, they did an interesting thing, too, where they they tried to connect this in the script, too. They tried to say, like, even though Resendez was born there because he was uh, Portuguese. What did they, I don't remember. They said he was they, they said his ethnicity was supposed to be or something. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Um I don't remember what what they said his his uh, his ethnicity was, but they were connecting the fact that like Mitchell Garabedian was Armenian, mm-hmm. Lee F. Schreiber's character Marty Baron was uh, Jewish, and Resendez was I don't remember what he was born he was born there though he was a native, but he wasn't uh, maybe he wasn't Irish Catholic for example or what you would expect people to be there Italian sometimes that kind of thing. Uh, 
And so they tried to connect this, like those characters all behaved in ways that did not conform. Mm -hmm. And they were all people who didn't fit the stereotype for a person who lives in Boston. And I don't know how intense that was. I think it was because they kind of had that discussion between Mitch Garabedian and Resendez where Garabedian basically says that. He's like, we're outsiders and, you know, they're no better than us or whatever, right? They kind of put that in there. And I kind of like that because those characters did feel that way. They all felt like they were ones who were consistently pushing against the grain, whereas everyone else was kind of going with the grain most of the time. Yep. I mean... I yeah, I don't I don't really have anything more to say. I think this movie is flawless. I can't think of a single thing I would uh, I wouldn't change I would thing. complain about. Wouldn't change a thing. Um like you said earlier, I think we've both probably we've watched it probably four times and um it's like watching it for the first time every time. It's so riveting. Um and the ensemble cast part for this month, I mean, it works beautifully. Everyone is giving a great performance. We didn't mention Billy Crudup. We mentioned his character, but we didn't mm-hmm. mention him. Absolutely great as the lawyer. Just perfect kind of mix of that sort of like professional, but a little bit, you know, questionable. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yep. uh, loved the characterization. Well, and the sort of the twist almost with him where you find out that. Turns out he tried to do the right he thing. He tried to do the right thing and was shut down. And then, and then you know, they've painted him as they, they think they're thinking of him as some sort of slimy lawyer guy who's yes. complicit in this system and, and knowing knowingly perpetuating this this sort of yep. thing and yet lo and behold he tried to tell them about it and i don't know the name of the actor but the victim from the coffee shop that guy is actually now more well known he was on murders in the building oh my god only murders in the building yes uh, i knew i had yeah. seen him somewhere okay and so uh you know the ensemble cast is growing if he goes on to have a bigger <laughs> career the ensemble cast is growing now right uh so anyway yeah, absolutely fantastic film. I wouldn't change a thing. Loved everything about it. I know uh, this was nominated for Best Picture. Did it win? Yes, it did. It did. Yeah, it deserves it. 100% deserves um, it. And uh, I, I think Mark Ruffalo may have been nominated as well. There were some other awards. He, it wasn't the only award. The two, he, he and uh, Michael Keaton, I would say, are the two really stand out. I don't think Michael Keaton got nominated. Oh, he might have gotten nominated, but he didn't well, win. Awards or no, yeah. I would say... Those are the, two, the 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 two strongest and most yeah. standout performances. Probably they get the most screen time, would be my guess. But um, yeah. everybody does a fantastic job. Yes, Stanley Tucci's great. Stanley Leah, Tucci is great. Liev yeah. Shriver's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone feels like a real human. Yep. And they're all different, right? They're all like yep. these quirky, real like people. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, fantastic movie to end our ensemble uh, cast month with. And probably the best, like, newspaper movie of all time. Yeah. Like, the, the, like, investigative journalist. There's, you know, a few of these movies yep. that have been done. All the President's Men, et cetera. Uh, and Spotlight is the best one. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. That's nothing as close uh, that comes close. It's a, I mean, it's a flawless movie. How it many is? times do you see a flawless movie? Not very often. Not very often. Although we did just recently watch Pulp Fiction, which is pretty flawless. They exist. They movie. absolutely exist. This month happened to have one in it. But, but. um... But they're rare, and it's so amazing to yep. watch. Yeah. All right, folks. That's Spotlight. And, and that's, that's the end of Ensemble Movie Month. Anna Retborb, do we know what's coming up next month? Currently, there's a poll going on, Okay. actually. So if you haven't voted in the poll, vote in the poll. It should be closing like pretty soon, I think. But yeah, you'll pick, you'll pick our September theme. So go do that. Absolutely. And... Uh, I guess until then, we'll see you in the uh, on the Substack. Yes, we will. Take it easy, everybody.